0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the RAB radio show, a show that has not aired in geez, Jay, how long has it been? Probably a year and a half or two years at this point.
1: Yeah, I think we've we haven't done this in, in a few years now, but uh, we're back.
0: I hear this uh, podcasting
1: hi. thing is pretty big, so we're we're jumping on that yeah. bandwagon. We kind of figured let's give this a shot again. Um and, and, and the reasons are is Joe. Uh, congratulations, you had a kid over the last two years. Um, let's let's give them all an update on um, who we were calling, I think around the time, baby 98, or uh, now is Veronica, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's amazing how kids give you more free time as they get a little bit older. Uh, so she's three and a half now, kind of on her own. She's running around, you know, kicking things around the house at this point. Like, literally right now. So, gives you a little more free time to work on it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, working career changes and everything uh, gives me a little more free time to do this. And let me be clear, too. This is something that has been hugely enjoyable um, dating back to the days when Mike and I did this on a daily basis. Literally every day for, like, an entire summer we did a podcast. So... It's nice to get back and, and get in the groove of things, and, uh, you know, can, and I know when we, we had left off, I guess probably in 2014, Jay, you and I were, were doing most of the hosting, so it's good yep. to get back in a groove with this, and uh, yeah, why don't we just jump into some Yankee stuff, because that's
1: what we're here for. Sure. So uh, as you all know, the Yankees have really been, uh, really did most of their work uh going into 2018 already um we don't really need to go too much into a recap we know what's going on as far as stanton being added to the team um we've got cc back in the fold uh of course you've got uh tanaka back in the fold as well so there, there's a great kind of foundation already set yeah and, there um, is
0: I, and it seems like they're not even trying to you know they're trying to Rather than fill holes, it seems like they're way more concerned about creating creating something new. Everything we've heard about, like, have we read a rumor about the Yankees in the last two weeks that hasn't been centered around a starting pitcher?
1: Yeah, and it, it seems like their goal right now is is institutional depth. It's making sure that at all the levels of the system that they're pretty much in a good place so that they don't end up in that space where they were, you know, from the last time you and I spoke, which is around 2013, 2014, on this podcast, and and where the the minor league system was going, you know we're we're, P- we're way past the days of you know Jesus Montero being at the really bot, top heavy uh, end <laughs> of the system. The system's no longer just top heavy with one or two. Problems. Prospects, you've got a really great and rich system at multiple levels. Where guys at the Dominican Winter League uh, this year seem to be having a great, great uh, year. You know, I, I, I've seen some updates uh, from some of the people that cover that, and it's it's nice to see. Um, you know, Baseball America is going to probably rank um, this 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 um, system fairly high. I, I think coming uh, when when all the, the The predictions of 2018 really start to come together
0: yeah absolutely but it seems like the one thing they do lack is someone they can not not bank on per se but really have have an idea that this pitcher is going to contribute to the rotation in 20 in 2018 I don't know I don't I don't know that Montgomery was that guy last year so there's always going to be surprises but it feels as though you know, we're hearing these rumors about a starting, starting pitching. One, because every pitcher except maybe CeCe was really worked to the gills last year considering the long mm-hmm. playoff run. You know, Severino and Montgomery have less experience than the rest of the staff. So they were worked really hard. And two... You know, it seems like more than trying to do, like, there's been, you know, talk about a six-man rotation, which I wouldn't mind at all. But it seems like this is definitely geared more towards, you know, Chance Adams is not necessarily going to be coming up in, in April if they need another starter. Um, you know, yeah. Domingo Acevedo is not necessarily going to be a guy they're going to call up in April or May for a start. So getting someone in the fold so that Montgomery falls into that kind of six-spot starter Uh, role seems to be what they're what they're angling for right now and it seems like they're prioritizing it over you know their nominal vacancies at second base and third
1: base and you have to look at things like the u darvish you know rumors and and you need to kind of both consider it as a possibility and also as something you would kind of take with a grain of salt and the reason why is that you know you keep looking at the payroll and i know that 197 is is this year's kind of uh high limit that you can get at i think they've got what about maybe somewhere between 20 million up near there up to play with moving forward
0: yeah i believe it's like 24 and a half with the cc contract but that's obviously yeah. not including the flexibility they'll need to add um, midseason. That's not just you know making sure they have money to trade for guys in July. It's making sure that they have enough money to uh, you know every time you add a guy to the forty man, that costs you money. Money. Every oh, time yeah, you yeah. promote a guy who is in the minors on the forty man to the majors, that costs you money. So that's mm-hmm. money that they're not accounting for right now. So there's a, you know they need a certain leeway. So you know that maybe that's twenty million they have. You know if they didn't make any mid midseason uh, additions. And there's
1: the Jacob. And there's the Jacoby Ellsbury conundrum that you, you can't really get away with when when you talk about addition. There's no way you can talk about this team and addition without really like just going in and talking about the problem of subtraction right now. Now, the guys that they were easy to move and, and easy was, you know, easy cost you something, mm-hmm. um, you know, moving Chase Headley cost you brian mitchell who wasn't really going to set the world on fire but sir was, was a nice arm but he cost you to move the player so i think that that's what you're really seeing um to move jacoby ellsbury is going to cost you prospects period oh, yeah. um, i really i really believe in uh, the idea that uh, you can sell jacoby El- ellsbury but you have to sell him with some high-end prospects to actually get the deal to work
0: yeah, that's true because when you're not talking about trying to move five million, you know, you're not just trying to move, you know, five million in salary. You're trying to move a significant portion of that. Um, I you mean, know, he's, he's yeah, got what 20, is it like 20 million, twenty-one million?
1: Uh, so you're trying to probably move,
0: you know, at least what is the total? Of
1: sixty million for the whole deal. I'm sorry, t- um, is it sixty million left on the total deal? Sixty and change, yeah. Sixty. So yeah, I mean, you look at that, and you, you're going to want someone to pick up at least. Thirty million of that sixty, if you're if you're damn near lucky, and I doubt you're gonna find anybody to pick up half that deal. You're you're gonna have to cover if you're the Yankees at least sixty percent of that that owed money, and then you're gonna have to throw a decent prospect on top of the deal to be able to say thank you for giving me this forty man spot and (laughs) not having this this player on my club that obviously has no place, has no role.
0: And but the problem with this is that how i mean look at the free agent list you know look at it from the beginning of the offseason compared to now it's not much slimmer than it was back in november so mm-hmm. there's there's so many moving pieces in the market right now it seems like the trade market a lot more deals, than I deals. I love deals everyone loves deals yep i mean mlb well, trade you know, rumors were started because people love deals
1: and the discounts and that's what really what we're, we're going to start seeing i think if that you know I know Scott Boris uh, way, carries a lot of weight in how the, the market moves, but I think that um, the trade uh, market really took over a lot of the momentum on getting his guy signed, and you see an Arietta out there. Just you wonder between him and then, uh, of course, there's a guy like Darvish who you just wonder, who, who's who's going to be the first one to kind of move the dominoes over? And it, it's, it's a really interesting kind of – uh, situation because of, you know, Darvish ended the year really poorly. And Arietta he had a, a, a kind of a an up and down 2017, but still is considered one of those guys that people think, you know, figured it out.
0: Oh, yeah. But you know, again, given his age, was he 31 or 32? Uh, it's or it's just difficult to justify that kind of contract. And you know, especially given what Boris is going to be looking for for him. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to think about, first of all, I, I understand Darvish was did not end the year on a high note. And, but this mm-hmm. is his first back, year back from Tommy John surgery. And he had a reasonably successful year overall. So he's going to get paid and he's got to get paid first. There's no, I don't see any way Arietta signs a contract before Darvish does because Darvish has to set the market. What concerns me, I guess, for the market as a whole uh, is... I don't. Who's going to be the first mover here? Who's going to take the plunge and sign Darvish? I don't think anything's really moving until he signs, and you know the question is then you're looking at suitors for Darvish. It's basically the Twins and the Yankees are the only teams you're hearing there. So once they're out of play, you know once once one of them takes Darvish out of play, I don't see either of them going in for Arrieta. Like who is left that's gonna that's yeah gonna dole out that kind of money?
1: So let's take a quick. Look at some of these guys that are left over. So we we've already kind of chatted about Darvish. Uh, just just some of the general. I'm
0: I'm a, a fan, by the way. If you can get Darvish for, uh, you know, five and a hundred around, because I just I just don't see him making much more than
1: that in this market. If you can if you can get a, a deal that's backloaded and you can get him to take fifteen million this year, well, and I mean, then backload he, the rest of the deal. You, you, you've got to convince him if he comes to New York to take a lower end side of the deal in 20 in 2018 to keep your payroll a, a respectable number. So you have flexibility.
0: Yeah, but that's still, it's, you're taking average annual value for the luxury tax. So it doesn't really matter if you backload it. Um, I understand. So, so, I understand. Yeah. Like, I understand like wanting to keep pure payroll, uh, you know, on the backloaded, although, you know, given how the, that hurt the Yankees in the past, I'm not sure that's, you know, the best business model. Uh,
1: you know, but it, I'm looking it, at sure. I'm looking at Scherzer. Uh, you know, the Scherzer model uh, of of deferred money yep. plus uh, long term deals that work for the. I mean, I'll never really understand that deal. But you know, I, I, I'm just thinking about how to get creative to get a, a guy on your 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 payroll without it basically blowing up the rest yeah. of your plans for 2019.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, there's really one. If they wanted Darvish, there's one way they could clear salary, and I do not agree that they should do this, is moving Robertson, which, you know, yeah. again, you, you look at what Wade Davis is getting. You look at, you know, what Greg Holland is going to get. Trading for David Robertson at one year and 13000000 million isn't, you know, I, I would imagine there would be a number of teams that would be on board with that. You know, the problem mm-hmm. is that he's kind of integral to what the Yankees are building right now. And, you know, not only for, for 2018, because, again, he's going to be a big part of a bullpen. He gives them a little... A little certainty where, you know, Batansis is back up in
1: the air. Uh, you know. And look at what he's able to do, the flexibility that he showed. And I don't know if, if, if you know, I don't know if Boone is going to do what Girardi did with him, you know, using him quite as a swing man. Um, because I, I know, you know, he he's basically all in as far as helping the team, that kind of guy, mm-hmm. uh, Robertson. But I just don't know if that was necessarily the right way to use him. But I, I, also like I said, I get it. it. There were desperate times, and they did what they had to.
0: Exactly, and he um, showed that he can do it. Uh, and I, again, a given if Betances were lights out in the playoffs last year, one, I think they probably would have gone to the World Series. Two, yeah, I do too. Uh, You know, it, it, he, it, you might feel a little bit better about trading Robertson at that point because you know you have still have three lights out relievers in the pen, with you know mm-hmm. with Betances kind of being a question mark heading into the season. As much as he can be a question mark, you know, I really like the idea of them holding on to Robertson. And, you know, quite frankly, I think them bringing back Robertson in 2019 and beyond isn't the worst idea given, you know, his familiarity with the team, how well he's performed. And as you just said, you know, his flexibility in roles.
1: Yeah. And Kane Lee isn't somebody to kind of spit at either. You know, he came in and for the most part got the job done, <laughs> fell felt a little weak in, in a little spot, you know, it, you saw him go through I don't know it was a dead arm period or if it was just he he was lost location, but or, he was or off the Roth told
0: Rothschild Rothschild told him not to throw fastballs and that's kind of his strength. That's my yeah. entire theory on the Canley regression when he came over and why he was so lights out in September.
1: Sure. So let's let's look at look, some more of these um outstanding free agents just to get back on the track where we started so we talked darvish um and and just to kind of you know graze over the hitters that are still on the market um there's jd martinez and eric hosmer you know really really big time uh players that it's 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 fairly shocking they haven't gotten paid yet
0: it is uh it seems like hosmer's inching closer to a deal and the, the red sox and martinez are kind of playing playing chicken but you know, I, I have every faith that they're going to sign deals that, you, that you're going to their teams are going to kind of regret in a few years.
1: And and it's interesting because I've heard some strange, like uh, people mutter the word collusion around stuff with JD Martinez. Um, you know, the fact that it's, it's strange that here's a guy that obviously should be getting a certain number. And it seems like There are are two teams that only seem to be having their markets open for this guy. It's it's Arizona and it's Boston. Mm. There's there's a lot of teams out there that J.D. Martinez can help. And I I find it very peculiar that he's been really only linked to them. Um, We know what the problem in Arizona is, obviously, and why he's not going back uh, unless something really significant happens. And it's that uh Grinky is what like 60% of their payroll. <laughs> I every time I look at that deal I'm just astounded at how much money
0: he's making. Like it's, it's not you know, that it's bad, it's not that it's bad that he's making that much money. I don't want to give that impression. It's that you really don't see those numbers on payrolls. It's just very atypical.
1: And and it's something where you look at it the the just the quantity of of the payroll that his his contract takes up for the rest of the team, you know, it's it's noticeable. And it's one of those things that you say, all right, uh, so then going forward a little bit more, we've got guys like Lorenzo Cain that, you know, it's interesting to think about him out there on the market and what a guy like that is going to get, um, when you can actually trade for probably a Brett Gardner and maybe get something close to, uh, Performance uh, of a Lorenzo Kane, but probably at a much less dollar price point. I think right now, so that that's just the thought in, in relation to the Yankees roster right now.
0: Yeah, that's and that's a great that you know that's a great point. And I think again, going back to the market as a whole, Kane seems like a team that kind of fits perfectly with San Francisco, but with yeah all these teams trying to reset their luxury tax rates, uh, that it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen.
1: Uh, then now let's talk about some of those these wild card kind of guys these people that you know you're, you're you know they're gonna sign for something significant um, but the market just doesn't seem to show it so we'll start off with a Jay Bruce and Jay Bruce kind of was like the unsung hero of, of the end of the playoffs if you will for the Cleveland Indians he 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 basically I think propelled them into the position they were until they weren't there anymore obviously but um it's it's going to be really interesting to see what jay bruce gets because he seems such a, an all or nothing kind of guy to me I, I what's your take on it
0: yeah i mean i think he's a fine player i just think he's one of those guys that gets really marginalized in a, in a market where teams just you know so many things are coming together and it's not just teams trying to get under the luxury tax it's teams that are in that like middle ground where, you know, they, they could connect, like, let's take the Brewers, for example. You know, mm-hmm. they're in this, like, middle ground where, yeah, they, they could make a run for a wild card, especially with the second wild card. They could totally make a run. They did last year in a way. Uh, it kind of weakened out by the end. But they, they're a team that would, you know, maybe normally be a fit. And there's just one example off the top of my head that they're right in that middle position. And do you want to spend the money? Do you want to commit? It's not even the money, it's the committing the years along with that money to Jay Bruce. Or do you want to kind of employ more of a wait and see method? Which is, you know, the, the more you think about it, the more, you know, people talk about pillow contracts all the time. And it's a really, fans love pillow contracts because you get the guy for one year at a reasonable price, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And they almost never come to fruition. It's always talked about with Scott Boris clients. And you know, when's the last time a Scott Boris client took a pillow contract? And I think it might be Adrian Beltray. Yeah. Uh, so, we might see more of those this year just because again, you have the 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 high end of the market trying to depress their salaries so they can reset their luxury uh their luxury tax bills. And then you have the middle of the market which, you know, they're just in this constant state of rebuilding and you know, when do you pull the trigger and try to do something and if you're going to pull the trigger, is a guy like Jay Bruce the kind of player you want to pull the trigger on? So, I feel like you know, a player like Bruce, as you said, he's, he's good. He's had impact. He's just not, he's, he's in this horrible, horrible middle, middle, you know, middle place in the market that I think is going to be
1: hurt the most. Yeah, that's a, that's a good take. And then now I think about, um, you know, some of the guys who, I don't know if they're going to get some big money, but I really do believe that they're going to end up in a good place. Um, and I think that's a guy like uh, Eduardo Nunez, Nunez of all people. He's oh, yeah. one of those guys. He's not going to get a huge salary, but somebody's going to want to take him and and make him a part of their infield because he's a really uh, useful player. It's it's one of those things you you definitely saw from the Red Sox. They they got a guy who who was there for them, who hit, who who was there to grab the ball, throw the ball. I I think he's one of those players that we as Yankee fans we kind of. Uh, also marginalized because we thought, you know what, he's just one of those guys that is there to kind of replace Alex for a while. And then we got to remember the constant, you know, aspects of the Cliff Lee deal and that he wasn't included. So you kind of thought of him as just a hanger-on type of player when he he, he turned out to be a, a pretty, you know, nice ball player.
0: Yeah, he did, and he just, you know, it's one of those things where New York was clearly not right for him. And I know that mm-hmm. Mike wrote a bit about, you know, the the pros of ha- adding him to the roster, especially given, you know, they could use that kind of player and that flexibility. You know, the question is, why didn't Eduardo Nunez succeed in New York when he was given every chance to su- You know, it's not like the Yankees did pulled the thing where they have a player, they don't really give him a chance because he's young and inexperienced and they go with experience. We've seen it a thousand times. They didn't really do mm. that with
1: Nunez. They kind of threw, they, they let him have every chance. So they basically said, Derek can't play shortstop anymore. You're going to, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was no other way to put it. I mean, we, we watched it all kind of happen in, in Derek's last year. And, and because of that, you know, you, you watched a guy like Nunez fail and fail pretty nasty at times. And, and the, it, I think it had more to do with the fact that, um, a lot of people in this town don't have that kind of stomach, uh, to watch a guy go through that, and I think that maybe it, 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 it lended it to the negativity that was kind of thrown his way. Uh, but what are you going to do? That's baseball, especially in this town.
0: It is. And again, I, he's a guy who conceptually I think is a great fit for the Yankees. Uh, I think they'd be able to fit him and, and another player in, uh, in you know, free agent signing in terms of salary. The question is, you know, did, he su- did he not succeed because of Joe Girardi and his staff? Did he not succeed because of the New York environment? It, you, know, mm. you can pinpoint that level of failure, and if it's gone, you can take a shot. If it's not, you know, you let him go. Uh, but it, it kind of stinks that, again, he's developed into a pretty useful player who plays two positions that the Yankees really need right now. Uh, it's, 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 a little, it, it's a little disheartening to know that a player who's such a clear fit for the current team might not be an option.
1: Yeah, for reasons we uh, don't so, understand. Yeah, so then let us take one more other person and say, you know, we know there's no way he's coming back. But what do you think happens? And that's a, a Todd Frazier. I think if a Todd Frazier wants to come back, I don't know if there's the salary for him. I really think that that's what it comes down to.
0: Well, he made what nine million something nine and change last year. Yeah, I mean, so you give him one year and twelve million because they're not giving him more than one year. There's just no yeah, way.
1: Yeah. And I, I see someone someone out there will give him a second year. I really believe that, and I find it very difficult for him to not want to take that guaranteed second year. I, you can say he had a great time, and he loved it. And this team is ready to win. You know, we all know this. But in the end, two guaranteed years at maybe say twenty four million, mm-hmm. if not three years at, at you know you know maybe thirty eight. That makes more sense for a guy like him than a one year nine million dollar deal in a town where if you look bad. Um, you look really bad and, yeah. and that's one of those, and that's, that's why I just don't see it. Uh, because we've seen a lot of guys do that, uh, with the Yankees that it's not necessarily a pillow contract, but you know, they take one year deals, uh, maybe after uh, a year, their numbers weren't great. And I look at like Andrew Jones is like one of the perfect examples. One of those guys that they just like, they took a flyer on to kind of See if they can catch lightning in a bottle. Now I don't. I'm not comparing those two guys too much, but I, I I just saying I don't know if the money is there to to stomach if he has a bad year, uh, as compared to like if you give it to a, a I don't know Gliber right away, um, and then figure out what you're going to do with second maybe with an Anduar or or, or somebody else.
0: Yeah, that's and that's definitely the dilemma. Is you know if if Enhar really needs more time. You do need someone to play third base. I don't think I think Library's playing playing second, uh, you know, from day one. If he's not in the majors and the minors,
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: you know, that's clear the clearly the position of of greater need. So
1: yeah, well, I uh, mean they they wouldn't have moved Castro if they yeah. didn't feel that they had the depth in the organization to move that player along. And and not that you know Starling Castro was you know anything bad i mean he gave the team a ton of home runs and had a career year uh that you could have hoped for last year
0: yeah uh yeah fit seemed to fit well with everything they were trying to do but you know clearly when you have to when you when you when you're presented with the opportunity and you want to move salary and move an expendable player. I mean, it's pretty clear that Castro wasn't making it past this current contract with the Yankees. Anyway, uh, there's, yeah. you know, they, they have a lot of depth up the middle in the minors, um, you know, and we haven't even talked about Corey Wade and how he could, you know, step in from day one as well. So mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of options there. And that's why I think the Yankees are being really conservative right now and not focusing on the infield instead trying to, you know, work out what they can for a starter because they know they have, you know, they don't need a superstar at every position. They have yeah, young I- options to fill in for right now. Uh, but obviously, again, the rotation is where the depth really kind of, you know, gets, it's, You know, the Yankees have a very deep roster. Starting pitching is the thinnest.
1: Yeah. So, kind of want to get started to wrap up and uh, just kind of go over a few more things that are going on. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of talk lately about Garrett Cole uh, and the Yankees' uh, infatuation with him. Uh, Some of the numbers are great. Some of them are um, less than desired. But you look at the possibility of adding another power arm and and the potential of, you know, losing great prospects is there. But, you know, you have to also kind of get back to what uh, we were talking about earlier in the podcast, which is, you know, the the one place you don't have strength is that rotation, mm-hmm. even though you've got a bunch of really good guys, you know, they, they were really, really leaned on. Uh, So a guy like Cole brings you the potential for 200 innings and another guy with with a big, big fastball that can help you.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I know that a lot of people who have covered him, uh, there are a few people in the minors who covered him who, you know, take their opinions with a grain of salt. He hasn't been in the minors in quite some time. But there's some people who have covered him over the years who think that, you know, you move into, he'll thrive in an environment like New York. And I'm Mm -hmm. not going to... I'm not going to overpay based on those evaluations, but um, it's, it seems as though that's what, uh, you know, Brian Cashman and the Yankees front office have in mind with going after him. That said, there's zero chance I would include Torres in in any kind of deal.
1: No, and, he's an untouchable for us uh, as, as a, uh, for what I, we've seen all, all all year. The Yankees have made no indications that he's going to be part of anything.
0: Yeah. And the only thing I've really heard, um, you know, that's had some credibility behind it is Gumby, is adding him to a trade, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of adding the six starter. Uh, you know, that to me, I, you know, when I'm trying to think about what's going on with, with the negotiations between the clubs, it seems to me that, you know, Neil Huntington's not a dummy. He's dealt with Cashman dozens of times before. He knows he's not getting Taurus. Uh, He knows that they might as well not even have a discussion because that's just out of the question. But I can see the deal being held up over the inclusion of Montgomery. And, you know, it it kind of defeats the purpose of what the Yankees are doing. So that, to me, you know, them holding out saying, no, we want a major league ready young pitcher. And Montgomery is the only one you really have that fits the definition. That's I can see that holding up a deal. And I can see that like permanently holding up up a deal because, if you want to add that depth, trading away a start, uh, you know, a guy you have envisioned for your rotation is not the way to go about it.
1: Makes sense to me. Well, we've covered a lot for our first podcast back, um, and our our next podcast should hopefully come soon. Uh, we, we've talked about with some people who are going to probably guest, um, so we'll try to get some interesting conversations with other people. Um, if you've got. Any questions uh, for the podcast or anything you want to talk to us about, just uh, email us uh, at River Avenue Blues at gmail.com. It's River Ave Blues at gmail.com. Uh, the, it's A V E, so River Ave Blues at gmail.com. Um, if you want to get in touch with either of us, uh, you can always tweet at River Ave Blues. Uh, I'm at Jay Destro and Joe is at Joe Paul j-o-e-p-a-p-a-w-l um and and that's really the big names and numbers of things you can do follow us all and appreciate mike of of course mike actually gives us tons and tons of content um as well as sunny and 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 the rest of the crew uh katie matt um dom you know we, we we've got a really Awesome kind of group of people that have been contributing. Um, and, and we're really looking forward to hearing more from uh, all of you. We may ask one of you to come on the podcast with us. So um, we'll, we'll see how it works out. So um, so Joe, any closing thoughts from you? Just that this is a
0: really exciting development in that we haven't done it in a while and it's fun as hell. Uh, we want to make this as you know inclusive as possible. If you have any feedback, Jay just gave you the place to, to reach out. And we're really looking to... You know, make this as good as possible, and that means taking into account reader feedback. Uh, we're going to start getting in some new features, such as you know, a call-in number, so you can, we can have questions live on the show, uh, and and who all who you know, maybe a, a live broadcast at some point. Try to take advantage of everything that we have at our disposal that we didn't have in the uh, the podcast first incarnation.
1: Absolutely. So um, it was great talking to you all well, again and uh look for us again hopefully uh within maybe another week or two we'll see how much free time we all have and hopefully next time we'll have a guest for you so thanks for a lot uh a lot for listening to the river Ave blues podcast we'll see you next time. next time